Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Sleep Me. Can we talk about torpor? I mean, maybe you're going to have to define that. But yes, I'd love to talk about torpor. What I mean is one of the great things, there's two things I want to talk about today around using Sleep Me's technology to modulate temperature in bed. First of all, is that my favorite way to wake up now of all time is to crank the heat up in my bed. All of a sudden, I go from like sleepy bear, torpor, right? I'm an animal just moving slowly. And then I actually warm up and feel good. And the first step of the day, I actually feel great. I don't feel stiff. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that our bedroom is actually unusually cold in the winter for a variety of reasons. Mid-century modern house, you're welcome. Lots of air coming in. It's always cold. So being able to crank up the heat first thing in the morning and sort of being able to make our bed match our environment has been really awesome. Or mismatch the environment. Or mismatch. Um, one of the cool things about using this technology is that your ideal sleep temperature may shift during the year based on how hot it is outside or how cold it is outside. I'm running about 10 degrees warmer on my Doc Pro than I normally do in the summer, which means I still get this great sleep, but I don't have to suffer on one extreme or the other. So I really feel like being able to individualize my mattress to to match the season has been a game changer for my sleep. Yeah, and we've been sleeping great lately at our warmer temperatures. Even my O-ring, 90s baby. I am a 90s child. Head over to sleep.me slash TRS to learn more and save off the purchase of any new Cube, Uller, or Doc Pro sleep system. Go to sleep.me slash TRS to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day like us. Before we get started today on this episode with Marcus Philly, which I think you're going to enjoy, we just want to take a minute to remind you about something we are super proud of and really looking forward to, which is the launch of our next book, Built to Move on April 4th, so just in a few weeks. I think you described it best recently as a prequel to everything we've ever done, except we had to get through the canon, the trilogy, the epic, before we could even go back and write the the prequel. This book solves so many problems for people about what is it I need to do day to day that isn't training, isn't some fat-burning keto diet, And it shows people how they can feel better in their bodies, even if they don't love diet and exercise. Yeah, and this book was really 10 or 15 years in the making and highlights the things that you and I actually do every single day, day in, day out consistently. And I think that's one of the things I'm the most proud of is it's a look into like what we do every day that actually works for us. We have created 10 physical and behavioral vital signs that are objective. You know, above and below, and you can see how... As we've gotten more mature, and maybe as dare say a little older, we realize we just don't have infinite free time. We've got to figure out ways to help people engage in better, more healthy, durable behaviors in ways that make sense to them on the day-to-day. So if you want to learn more about our book, head over to builttomove.com and you can pre-order a copy at your local bookstore or any online retailer. On this episode of the Ready State Podcast, we bring you the functional bodybuilding founder, Marcus Philly. After leaving med school, Marcus turned instead to health and fitness to help people more directly with training and nutrition in their day-to-day lives. Drawing on an extensive training background in soccer and his competitive CrossFit career, Marcus owned a CrossFit affiliate for years before changing methodologies to help athletes better succeed through more individualized coaching. After the 2016 CrossFit Games, Marcus was burned out and broken and about to become a first-time father. Functional bodybuilding was born out of a need to train more for longevity and sustainability while still looking good and moving well. So one of the things that I really loved about our conversation with Marcus was being reminded actually how long we've known Marcus and having him remind us that we actually were his first introduction to CrossFit at San Francisco CrossFit back in the dawn of time. So it was fun to kind of reminisce about like the good old days of CrossFit and just be reminded how long we've been in the same community with him. One of the things that is great to see with Marcus is how he's been able to take the tenets of good modern training, which really samples from so many populations, and he synthesized a new thing out of it, new and sort of a need to, hey, I still want to feel good, but I don't want to give up the kinds of training that I like to do. Yeah, and what I love about it is it's sort of like the anti-training dogmatic approach in that he's saying, hey, I just want to do what works And I'm not going to get so focused on training a certain way and saying this is best. He's going to do whatever works. 
And turns out that's really a mix of some CrossFit-like training and some more bodybuilding-type training. And that's been really effective for him and his clients. And he just doesn't have to like, you know, die on the vine saying he's X or Y. As a reminder to everyone, if you think you know what bodybuilding is, Marcus may redefine it for you. So again, I think you're doing, you're bringing up the right point that it's easy to fall into these camps and say, I don't do that. Or instead of saying what's essential and how can I make that the sort of pinnacles or tenets of that school better serve me. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with our old friend, Marcus Philly. Enjoy. Marcus, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. It's so fun to actually have you here in person. I know. In our it's studio. It's great to be here in person. And for uh, the fact that we live in the same county and we don't get in person that frequently, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's really fun to see you. What is remarkable is that we have known each other over a decade, probably close to 15 years. And your life, our lives, very parallel in so many ways. And yet we see each other as like drive-by friends. We're so People are like, do you know Marcus Philly? And I'm like, uh, yeah. I've heard about him on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But it really is like a testament to the fact that if you have kids and a business, you're hustling. Yeah. And then if you choose to like try and do a competitive sport for like seven years, that takes all your time. That Silly. also kind of cuts that in. Also cuts Actually, that was when time. I saw you the most. I used to come to your gym and train. That was, that was like yeah, that a, was awesome. an excuse to see you guys. I want to just go back into the, we started talking about this before we press play on this recording, but before you got into the physical pursuits of CrossFit and functional bodybuilding and athletics. I know you were an athlete as a kid, but you actually applied to, got into, and went to medical school, but then decided that that wasn't your path. So could you tell us that story a little bit? What happened there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you say it like that, I wonder what the statistic on people that have applied to, got accepted to, went to medical school, and then left after their first year. I got to be in a small group of people. Do you think? Because I feel like you have well, to maybe be in a large group. Of, a subset, I think, of even realizing, saying, I don't think I made the right choice. Yeah. Versus I'm getting crushed on all the skills. Yeah. I have maybe, maybe made the wrong choice. That's amazing. It's so amazing to say it's amazing now, but at the time oh, it was like devastating. Yeah, it was like I'm letting down the world. <laughs> like my parents are going to be so disappointed. Yeah. I actually Don't worry that, mom and dad. I'm going to make content around exercise <laughs> yeah. and I'll worry, he'll Don't be worry fine. mom and dad. Dad's I'm, questions like so gonna you're going to be a you're going to be a trainer? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> it's like we, we just went from radiologist to trainer. I'm not sure that's going to roll off the tongue on the golf course with my buddies. No. I, yeah, so all that's true. I went to medical school, was on just sort of the uh I'm going to pursue higher level education. College was never going to be the end point. It was go get a degree in something else because that was kind of the model that I had with um, my dad and my brother. And because I was a high performer in school, it was almost like the expectation. You get good grades, you're good at school, so why wouldn't you go and get all the school so that you could position yourself to have the good job? And I don't know, I just, I never really was not critically thinking about any of it. It was just like, I'm just going to, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Right, you were just like kind of following the path. You're like, this is my path and yes. I'm good at school, so this is my path. But then you weren't even able to step back and be like, is this what I actually want to be doing with my right, life? Right, right. Yeah. And I don't know, our kids are so young that I'm not thinking about that now. You're thinking about it more. But the defined path in 2002 was very much that, you know, maybe in 2023, it's starting to, the conversation starting to be different. It's like, well, you don't just have to go to college and you don't have to do the thing. Like you don't have to play the, the same script over and over again, but it was, that was what I was in. I was on that train and on that path. And because I was good at something and because I had an interest, I mean, I wasn't like, I don't know anything about this medicine. It doesn't seem cool to me. It's like, no, I was interested in health, disease, the intersection between the two, movement, nutrition, all the stuff. I met the both of you when I was just out of college. I hadn't gone to medical school yet. It was I said, in like 2005 or something. I mean, didn't we meet yeah, it was like early? Yeah, 2006. I graduated from college. Yeah. And I remember saying, you had just gotten out of PT school. Or maybe you were still finishing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be starting medical school soon. And I'm like- Did I give you, you a had, hug? You had, like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you had some some words where you're like, wow. Well, it's good that you're getting this movement thing all kind of situated <laughs> now because it's going to get really tough. But yeah, I went to medical school with the intention essentially to get a medical degree so that I could practice a medicine that wasn't being practiced. It didn't even exist yet. Yeah. I was like, my-, my Not really. It, it didn't exist. It was not even, it wasn't being called medicine. It was called training people and not in a formal education type of way. Did you have a glimpse 
of this life then? Because I, I remember having moved to the city. I was out surfing at Ocean Beach and I had a moment of Satori and I was like, oh, I got to go to PT school so I can open a training center. Like I knew, I kind of saw all of this in this moment. I didn't think of all the details, like how rad my wife would be, right? I'd have to work with Lisa. Like not all the details were so <laughs> manifest, but did you get a glimpse of some alternative reality to where you thought you'd go with your life? I think the alternative reality started to surface when I was in medical school, not before. It was like, I'm going to go to medical school. This is a leap of faith. I have this sort of like faint vision of how I want to bring disciplines of, you know, health care together, nutrition, coaching, strength conditioning, medical doctors, psychology. all in the same, yeah. psycho all in the same room, right? Because I had been exposed to all this. I had gone to doctors. I was in therapy. I had been through the pharmacological interventions of mental health. I was also <laughs> a high performing athlete. I had done all the diets. I was like, okay, I'll, these all make sense in the same world. And that was how I, you know, we write these personal statements to graduate programs or even college, but like personal statement for medical school. I kind of outlined this thing. And when I interviewed for schools- Can we find that? Do you think that's I, that I have, I got to find it. Yeah. Because when I interviewed for schools, these, these physicians that sit on the admissions board, they look at me, they're like, you're- <laughs> out of your mind. <laughs> what are you thinking? Like it was, who's going to pay for that? It was authentic to me, but it was definitely yeah, yeah. not like, yeah. this is my best way there. to get it in. It was out there in yeah. like 2005. Yeah. I wrote yeah. my way right out of my admissions to UCSF. They were like, you're dreaming, bro. We I was opened like, the huh. gym and I got pulled into like the Dean's office with my advisor. And they were like, we're worried about you. <laughs> right. Precisely. <laughs> I mean, I just have to say, though, I know what you mean, because I obviously went to law school. I was still working as a lawyer when yes, I met you. Right. And I mean, very similar path, right? Like good at school when I was young, couldn't even really, even though I'd gone off and, and I hadn't followed the normal path, I ended college and actually was like a professional athlete and river guide. So I didn't immediately sort of follow the standard Gap path. Years. But I always just assumed my default would be to go back to going to law school or medical school mm -hmm. or something like I just, I didn't even have like the creative right. mind or permission or whatever it is you want to call it to be able to be like, I actually don't have to go down that path. There's other options for me. You know, I ended up becoming a lawyer and practicing law for seven years before I was like, I don't think this is my path. Not only that, but one of my favorite things that we kind of laugh about in the house is that there was an article written about Juliet oh, and, you, it, you and they quoted this her. Would be like your parents would die with. Lawyer turned personal trainer, Juliet. And I was like, yeah. oh, is that what she did? I was like, wow. Like, CEO. Wow. Like, Bestselling author. Wow, lawyer lawyer turned, turned personal trainer. You know, do, do this you, is, I'm sorry. This was recent? Like, No, I mean, maybe that article was written like in 2012 or something. But I mean, you know, yeah, okay. it still Enough. felt like I was like, wow, like that makes me sound so boring. <laughs> let, let me let me pivot. You. <laughs> <laughs> you you have this experience where anything but boring. You get something. You have to jump through a lot of hoops to get there. Yeah, right. There is MCAT. All of the I means like you've told everyone. I'm going to. I'm a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm in med school. That's the place where you're like, I don't have to tell anyone what I'm going to be for like four years. Mm. I'm in. What do you do? I'm in med school. Like you just sort of can park. Right. That. It was. A, it was. An, it had a nice ring to it. Yeah. It, yeah. it does for a second. You re reject that. Does that open us some consciousness towards there's a lot of things where I can see? Because your current career, which we'll definitely get into, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. You're stitching together ideologies and synthesizing and you know, you're coaching people, teaching people. But that's not even a thing. But does that rejection of this original model open the door enough just to be able to see that there is, I can make other choices that don't exist or seem radical or dangerous to my family. Because we left a, a good paying job at a physical therapy office and they're like, you're going to open a container, like an office shipping container. And that's where you're yeah, going to do Yeah, and like the, the big managing partner of my law firm, this woman who was like- You'll be back. Yeah, she was like, you'll be, you'll back. be back. Right. And in my mind, and I'm also super competitive. So I'm like, you know, I'm all <laughs> Tomorrow, there's a guy named John Bonnet, who was a classmate of mine at medical school, I I've maybe seen him twice since I left. We don't stay in close. He's coming tomorrow to just, he was the guy of all my friends. He's like, you're making a mistake. This is not a good idea. Oh. You shouldn't leave. I was like, what? Like, this is the time to be like supportive. You see, I'm going through a hard time. Like, and uh, that's just funny that that's my reality tomorrow. I'm going to see him. I'm like, hadn't thought about that until just now. Yeah. <laughs> like, John, do you think yeah. I made a bad decision now? Yeah, dude, this is a bad decision. Where's the line where... We feel like that story of, of med school, because it's not a direct line to your current 
coaching notoriety self experience. It's not a straight line. There's definitely some other lives in there. Well, I got a question. So you decided to leave med school, which I assume was sort of a traumatizing decision on a variety of levels. But when you left, did you already have a this vision in mind that you're going to become a coach or a trainer? Or did you just come back to California and you're like, well, I'm going to hope for the best? And then second question is that, is that the time when you discovered and found CrossFit and started coaching CrossFit? Like, what was that transition like? And yeah. how did you make the decision to become a coach? I kind of want to, it's like so funny. You guys are asking these questions. I want to ask them to you in a, in a similar way. Because like owning CrossFit gyms for as long as you did and, and I did for a, a period of time, we saw a lot of people make some pretty interesting life decisions based on CrossFit. Yeah. I'm going to leave this marriage. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to become a this and do this. And they were questionable in some instances. But then I'm like, well, I kind of did a lot of the same. I mean, that was was what kind of got me started was that I was in medical school. I'd already been introduced to CrossFit via you and then just went down the the rabbit hole of what was there available via media then, which was the journal and H, you know, dot com. And I saw from 2006 to 2007, eight the community of CrossFit really exploded. That was when the gyms went from like, there's 50 gyms worldwide to however many hundreds, right? It just, it was exponential. And so I started to see what it looked like to have a collection of people in a room interested in learning how to, it was to do CrossFit for whatever reason, but they were like, we're talking about movement. We're talking about nutrition. We're talking about healthy lifestyle. We're we're talking about all these things that I'm like, that's what I want to be talking to people about. Like what is, that's over there. And I'm, I'm in this library on the and fourth kids, floor. There's no Gmail. There's no Twitter. There's no even YouTube yet. Just so we're clear. Yeah, there yeah, was. No uh, there was CrossFit.com. There was uh, Facebook. There was Facebook. There was Facebook and, and blogs. And blogs. Yeah, I had a good blog vlog going on. But yeah, so instead, though, seeing all that happen, I'm a, I'm over here in the library at Ohio State. At the basement level of the library is a wait for it a Wendy's. And across the breezeway. <laughs> in the medical school library? That's our food, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and then yeah. the breezeway to get to the Hemonk ward is, you know, 30 people smoking. So I got to walk through that to get to my class. I'm like, and I was freezing cold, truly freezing for the first time in my life. I never spent <laughs> any time in winter anywhere. You know, it's I've like lived here my whole life. Dark and freezing and your only food choice is Wendy's and you're studying in a basement. I'm like, And I smell no the secondhand smoke. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is... <laughs> I got to get into that community. (laughs) This is my life. So it it informed my decision a little bit, but I think the thing that allowed into your question is like, what opened the door to even seeing possibility? Was it rejecting this? And that's what opened the door. It was making the shift from, I'm going to do this because society, the exception or the uh, accepted path is this, this is what people value and saying, I'm going to reject that because it doesn't actually feel valuable to me. It doesn't feel like my calling. I'm not drawn to it. Like I reject going down this path just because other people think it's good. And once I did that and I was like, what makes me feel really energized and connected to some f- vocation? I don't know what, you know, like what, what, what am I going to wake up and be like, I'm pumped to go do this thing. And I was pumped to wake up and go teach the 5am class at TJ's gym. That was pumped to do that. And I was pumped to have a person come in and I needed to teach them in three sessions how to do the nine fundamental movements of CrossFit. That pumped me up so much. And then the 10-minute whiteboard session I had with them at the end of the protocol where I said, and this is the nutrition kind of spiel that lit me up and people just, I was like, I'm going to do this every day. That's all that matters. I wasn't running spreadsheets like, how much money am I going to make? Is this going to get me anywhere? I'm like, I'm living at home. I'm with my parents. I'm living above the garage and this is a good life. And I'm, I'm stoked every day. Plus, I get to start to heal my body and my mind through movement, through practicing, which I wasn't doing when I was following the path that everyone was telling me was a good path. I wasn't in bad shape. I never got into bad shape. But man, being in medical school, like I was just miserable. Like the stress and the emotional unwellness that I was feeling like manifested in my body. I had all these injuries. My digestion was like broken, as broken as it could be. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I'm breaking apart and I'm 20, can you, can you five hear years old. the universe saying, 
Don't and do then, it. I mean, yes. So it's so interesting to hear, like you come home and by some accounts, you're like sort of societal accounts. You're like, oh, well, you failed at this other thing. And now you're doing this other thing and you're living in your parents' garage or upstairs from their garage. And, you know, you're working as a coach at 5 a.m. But it sounds like you just got lit up. Oh, and and was... then did you notice like an immediate change in actually how you felt physically? Like, was that like actually doing something that lit you up, that you were excited for, that you felt like you were making a difference? You actually were being given an opportunity to like train and eat. Did you notice an immediate transformation in how you felt and sort of experienced the world? Yes. I mean, one thing I know about myself is that I was, for as long as I can remember, I've pushed my physical threshold. I'll do as much work and as much physical as I could with whatever resources I had. So in medical school, my resources were like, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm trying, I'm like doing like the dot com workout. I do it three days on five days off. Cause I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. Come back, get into a, I'm energized by life. I feel like I'm purpose driven. I'm, I feel like I've got a, I got a community. I know just feel, I had a community around me. I had people supporting me. I had people that cared about me and they saw my value. And so all of a sudden I'm like, and now I'm training like two hours a day. And I'm still like crushed by two hours a day of training because that's what I would do. I would just push myself super hard, but I could feel that like, wow, I have so much more to give. I can train a lot. I can lift heavy weights. Okay. Again. You too. There's a lot of kids at the table, adults with kids. When your kids come to you and they're like, I've dropped out of med school. <laughs> right. I'm moving into the garage and I'm coaching and it lights me up. How will you react Right. Because I had to do the same thing with my parents. I was a kayaker. I think they were so thrilled that I met Juliet, who was going to law school. They could be like, well, my my son's girlfriend is going to law school at least. And then when <laughs> I when I got into grad school, they were so relieved because then they yeah. could just check some out. I think that relief is one is a status generations different. Mm-hmm. And these things didn't even exist for them. But second, it's a real fear that there's no play out of this. Yeah. I mean, I think at some root level, you really want your kid to be able to like take care of themselves and know that they're going to be able to take care but of will, themselves will when you you're be- gone. Well, I mean, here's what I will say though, that, you know, remember when I left my law practice, I wondered if my parents were going to be bummed because I literally was leaving my law practice to go run a parking lot gym, with as you'll remember, debt. with like a container. And we had started Mobility Watt at that point, but it was like very nascent. You know, it was 2009, I think. You really didn't have a shiny object to be like, look, we have this awesome yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come get your warm towel. Literally, I was like, I'm no, no, we literally- No, no, we have a I have this awesome gym. I'm it's literally leaving like a very high paying job very high paying and I'm going to go run a parking lot gym with like, you know, in like a dirty corner when, you know, you were there. But I will say that my parents were both totally weirdly supportive of it. Like I was actually afraid to tell them, but I think that they both were so supportive, which I think sort of helped me get over that mental hurdle yeah. of being able but to they, just They knew you do it. at that point. They knew me. Your parents knew you and drive and, yeah. you know. Well, and I also think too, what they realized is like, that they were like, go try this thing. And then if it doesn't work out, like default when, back to being a lawyer or do whatever. Or when, yeah. when it doesn't when work out. I mean, I think they're like, this whole thing's cute. You know, yeah. parking lot gym. You're like, I'm going to teach people CrossFit in Mill Valley. <laughs> what is CrossFit, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there was a, there's a lot of, like I can hear that, that voice, mostly from my dad a little bit more, but like, what are you going to do? And then oh, the sigh of relief when like, oh, it looks like it's working out. Like, I think you're going to be okay. And, you know, the sign of it working out for me or for my brother when he was doing his journey, it looks different. Like when my brother like finally got a degree, finally finished, you know, something, he's like, oh, and then he got into graduate school. It's like, Chris is going to be okay, you know? And then like for me, (laughs) oddly enough, it was like my dad seeing me just like at a CrossFit event and like do well. And he's like, oh, like you qualified for like the world champion? Like, whoa, this thing's working yeah. out. I'm like, yeah, like well, we didn't, good we're not this. really getting paid for any of this, but like, you know, at least yeah. that that kind of checked a box. It was that, whatever that feeling, it's like, I don't I think his worry and what my worry would be if one of my daughters came to me with something similar is like, what's guiding the decisions here? If you're being guided just by fear, fear of something that could be hard, I don't want that to be the guiding light for you. I want you to feel confident in yourself to take on a challenge if that presents itself at some point in your life to get to what you want. I think that was a fear of my dad. He's like, hey, medical school is hard for everybody. My first year was dreadful. Like I can see a lot of the similarities, but then I got through that. He's like, I persevered. Yeah. Well, not like I, it was more like, but I'm thankful that I I got through that because I've had this really fantastic career. Something that he was deeply passionate about. I think once he disconnected, he's like, oh, this isn't just a fear thing. Like Marcus is 
ready to do hard stuff and he's capable of it and he's driven and he's aligned to something that really is, you know, going to allow him to pay the bills and, you know, have a family. I'll show you, dad, I'm going to quit this cushy med school thing and I'm going to go easier (laughs) and be lazy and work for myself and start a business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your dad's like, take it easy. Go back to med school. It'll be easier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to bookend people for people. We'll definitely get to the, I wanted the story of how you come to be doing what you're doing and, and what you're talking. Tell us everyone who doesn't know what your day-to-day work is and what your thing is. Like, tell us about Marcus Philly today. Yes, 2023. Yeah, well, 2023 Marcus is um, running a company called Functional Bodybuilding that has approximately 15 employees. And we are delivering our fitness method, which I'm calling Functional Bodybuilding, which will break down more, to people all over the world through an online training platform. So we have online training programs and personal coaching services, different levels of coaching services, but really for people who are like, I want to look good, move well. That's our tagline. Look good, move well. But wait, wait, those things aren't mutually exclusive? <laughs> no. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> but no, that was the genesis of that was like, I-, I go to the gym to look good. Well, I'm going to go over here and move well. Like I'm going to perform. It's like y'all get pissed because you don't look good and y'all get pissed because you don't perform well and you don't move well. So why don't we figure out how to do it all together? And that's kind of what I've been trying to model for years. And on the day-to-day, I write training programs. I educate through what seems like endless content, podcast, YouTube, short form, long form, all the things. And then we try and uh, put ourselves in the best position to deliver the best product possible, which is a making constant updates and improvements to our software platform and partnering with new companies, which I'd love to talk about at some point today, that is now delivering a better software product for us so that we can, people can engage with their training more. Solving the problem of, I'm a fitness consumer, I want to do fitness, and my chosen platform is the online virtual setting. We're going to figure out the best way to deliver that. That is so amazing and brave. Because I'll tell you that while we traffic in something a little easier, recovery and pain, just not, you know, not complicated at all, mobility, we haven't touched fitness with a 10-foot pole. We've always said, oh, we have all these other friends and we're going to be agnostic about the way you train because that's really personal decision. And you have waded right into that soiree. What is it about functional bodybuilding? What does well, that what mean? What is functional? Like, what is that? What does that mean to someone who's never heard of it? I think of like functional fitness as a defining term. I never fit enough. I'm never strong enough. I'm prepping for some zombie apocalypse, right? That's what functional fitness really is, right? I need to do more wall balls and more burpees in less time because that'll get me something. How would you define bodybuilding then? <laughs> exactly right. Traditionally, bodybuilding was aesthetic and physique. And I'll tell you, the number one reason I think people get into training, this is my personal thing, is they either are really confronted with their mortality and they can't move or do something. I can't play with my kids. I'm, I'm afraid I can't do something. It's not about the gym. I don't think people really, very few people actually care about how well they perform in the gym. But a lot of times people are saying, my body composition has to change. I don't feel like I look the way I want to look. And that's not shredded. That's, I'm not afraid to take my shirt off and be embarrassed. I think that's what people are starting to feel like. Is that what I think of bodybuilding? Am I going in the right direction? That we have this collection of behaviors that's sort of driven towards feeling better and looking better. Yeah, I think how you describe both functional fitness and bodybuilding is how I think most people generally think about those two things. You know, that's sort of the perception of the public. And I think that maybe, again, I kind of drew that example of like they're in different camps, like these are separate things. I think a lot of people think about it like that. Like I could go and get on a plan or train to like look better or I can go and be more functional, but they don't necessarily go together. To your point though, it's really, I like how you broke it down. Like there's two main reasons why people come to the gym. They're faced with their mortality. I can't do the things that I need to do in my day-to-day life. And this is starting to really create pain or lack of fulfillment. I can't ski. I can't run. Yeah. Something's got to change. I think maybe it's, I would say probably the majority of people are saying like, I don't like the way I look. I'm not happy with what I see in the mirror. And those things 
go together often. You know, your body composition, I'm in the overweight, maybe obese category. And that is combined with you just haven't moved much over the past two decades. And therefore, you don't have functional capacity and you happen to be obese and carry too much body fat. So we're solve, we're trying to solve kind of the same problem for a lot of people. Well, you and I came out of a coaching culture that really took some of the best ideas out of so many different disciplines. Like that was when people ask me what CrossFit is, I'm like, well, we have these essential skills that as a coach I can draw from to then mix and match to say, hey, here are your goals as a because we all quickly took CrossFit and we're like, this is a great idea. Let's shape it to meet our needs of our communities, right? We totally started to mold it and shape it. And one of the things that we picked up out of bodybuilding was that no one did a better job of transformation of physique. Yep. Regularly, on the regular, where I see yeah. physique competitors go from puffy and yeah, bloated. How do people living? say, like, I, I just can't, I just don't understand weight loss. I don't understand how to lose body fat. And I'm like, well, there's this whole sport over here that is a science. It's like they don't miss the mark. It just happens. But there are important things that are not present in your life. Like you don't have, uh, one, you haven't committed to an end result where it's like, I'm going to step on stage. You don't have the, it's not even will. It's like you don't connect to that purpose. And therefore, you're not willing to go through all of the different steps and stages that are required to get very lean. And so how do we learn from this? and then help people navigate the actual habits and the things that they need to do in their actual day-to-day -day life, gen pop, to eat in a caloric deficit, to incorporate more resistance training into their life, add protein to their plate. We do those three things, like you'll start to lose body fat. It just happens, but it's not easy. It's just the script is there. We know what to do. It's how do we make it actually happen? The other piece I just want to homage, I want to give to all my bodybuilding friends and bodybuilding techniques, is that we have really strong tendons and a lot of volume that makes really resilient tissues. I think a lot of what ended up happening with some of the Olympic lifting, powerlifting, is that people who are dilettantes, I'm a middle-aged guy, I like to be strong, I come in, I'm not doing enough volume to take care of my tissues or to take care of my connective tissue. And some of those pumps, some of those routines, some of those quarter squats where I'm just staying under tension, working, those protocols really help people feel better. Yeah. Not like I'm on an isolation machine doing more bicep curls, but it turns out some of the people only snatching and only clean and jerking really missed a lot of opportunity yeah, to yeah, yeah. be put on some armor. Am I wrong in that way? No, not at all. I mean, I'm sure you recall the very controversial statement that James Fitzgerald made one day, which was... Uh, Dave Cash said, well, what would be the best way to get prepared for the CrossFit? You know, who would make the best CrossFitter? It's like, well, go do bodybuilding for 10 years and then come and do it. And it was like, no, that's, that's crazy. It's like, well, <laughs> no, it's actually not. It's like the bodybuilding protocols and lifting like that, putting in as much volume, like you build a tremendous base of strength, connective tissue strength. And that I think was something that I experienced in the sport competing at CrossFit at a very high level was like, man, I hurt really bad because I'm throttling up on intensity at heavy loads under fatigue states. I don't have the time to put in the requisite like base building work, which I have experience with it doing bodybuilding protocols. Like I want to bring that back into my life because I want to keep doing this stuff for a long time. I want to do it well past I'm competing in the sport. Like I didn't retire from CrossFit and say, yeah, I don't really ever need to do that again. I was like, no, I want to keep doing this and I want to continue it in the smartest, most logical way for me and other people. And that's where I was like, okay, we're going to marry some of these principles together. And over time, like it became clear that more of like this functional fitness CrossFit audience was like, whoa, we, we really, we all feel that too. We were just a couple years behind you because we weren't pushing ourselves to the limits like you were for as many years. But I was in the first 10 year wave of the sport. And then it was like, okay, every three to four or five years, like there's a new wave of people that are like, whoa, like I want to slow down a little bit about half the time in my training and do some things that quote unquote look a little bit more bodybuilding. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Hey guys, we just want to take a little break in this podcast episode to actually tell you about one of our own products and that's our Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Yeah, the app literally is the first place you should go if you're trying to feel better, if you're trying to solve an old movement-related problem, if you're just trying to not be as sore from your workout. 
There is so much going on in this app. We have a mobility test that is comprehensive and designed by Kelly Starrett himself. It's pretty good. So you can figure out what your biggest limitations are and start to work on that. There are sports-specific mobilizations if you want to try to lift more or run faster. There is a pain area. And we even have a ton of bonus content. You can do challenges around squat and ankle and a bunch of other specific body parts so you can just generally get more supple and awesome. You should talk about this app more often. (laughs) We started the original Mobility Project back in 2010 trying to help people solve problems for themselves. We think that every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. And we want you to be able to engage in some self-care in a really reasonable, responsible way. One of our favorite parts of it, daily mobility. You have a 10, 20, or 30-minute follow-along with me. If you just have a ball and a roller, think you want to feel better, move better, play along. I mean, we really feel like that's the base camp practice. Then you can add in what you need. We're really proud of this and what we've created here, and we think you should give it a try. Head on over to thereadystate.com slash trial and use code POD20 for 20% off your first month. And just FYI, including your two-week free trial, that's literally six weeks for $11.99. You can't beat that. There's so much amazing content to help you feel better and move better for $11.99. In the words of our uh, podcast producer, bananas. One thing I want to tell you is that what I've always noticed is take it or leave it if you like the bodybuilder physique when they're like in there, right? Like that's totally subjective, whether that looks weird to people or cool. Hang on, but wait for the punchline. But the punchline is that if you look at like a 75-year-old dude who's a former bodybuilder, those guys are the best looking 75-year-old dudes, right? Because no matter what, we're all going to like we're on a downhill trajectory of losing muscle mass at a certain point in our life, right? So no. those guys are going to go from being like super jacked to maybe having a physique that a lot of us wouldn't want to have, like very, very jacked and very, very lean to having kind of like just a really awesome physique at an old age when like muscle mass is at a premium. And so I'm like, I see that like just from that reason alone, just because it's so hard to put on muscle mass, we're all at some point going to just be going downhill. And no matter what we do, it's going to be like maintained, but we're still going to lose. But it's like, man, I just feel like it's like money in the bank having muscle mass. And it's like your 401k for health. We should be looking at who are, who is the best in the world at putting mass on people lean mass. Yeah. Yeah. And especially as you're 40 and 50 and beyond. Yeah, because we're like obsessed with this concept of durability. Like like, we don't try to lose body fat. Let's try to put on some muscle. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. We'll come back. Well I was just gonna say we're obsessed. Like we don't love the word longevity because we don't really care if we live to be 102. Like what we want to do is like live to be whatever we live to be, but like feel good and be able to do the things we want to do the whole time that we're alive. And so that's why we like we sort of prefer the word durability. But to me like a cornerstone of durability is having muscle mass on your body. Gosh, completely. Yeah. I mean, in my early 20s, when I was like, this was like my prime time of life to put on muscle, I got kind of like sent down the rabbit hole of like, oh, lean is good. Like I want to be shredded. And I kind of wish, and it was it was a seed that was planted by a comment by the wrong person at the wrong time. It just like got in my head. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try the dieting thing. And didn't know what I was doing. I was like, well, I got abs. Like, this is cool. I want to keep those abs forever. Like, I never want to see those go. And then, but it's like, well, how do I like bulk up and put on some muscle mass? Like, oh, I got to get rid of the abs. Like, nah, I'm not into that. But the point being, is like, I kind of wish that if if I could go back and rewrite some part of my history, it was like, maybe not get so attached to that at an early age where it's like, all I should have been thinking about from like 20 to 30 was just like, how do I get as beefy and muscular as possible? Because that's going to be what my foundation looks like for the rest of my life or a big portion of my life. And yeah, this like obsession with like, should I get cut? Should I shred down? Should I lean out? Should I like lose a bunch of body fat? Let's really look at this. Like, where are you at? Are you in the very overweight, obese category? Like, then let's bring you back to a healthy body fat percentage where you can function the way you want to function. You can actually start to put on muscle mass now because you're not having like hormone disruptions from excess adipose tissue, yada, yada. But for a lot of people, it's like, let's not just go on like a a cutting diet right now. Like let's come into the gym. Let's just 
improve your food quality, but let's like start training. Let's just start lifting some weights and start to put on and build whatever muscle tissue that we can at this stage of your life, whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. If you've never trained before and you come in at 50, guess what? You can still build a ton of muscle. And I'm going to interrupt Kelly really fast because he has an actual question. But I think what we've learned over the years is like, and I'm sure this is true for your clientele, like most people actually don't want to get shredded. I mean, not in my age group at all. Like people don't care about that. They want to figure out this kind of balance where it's like they want to go out to dinner with their friends. They don't want to be a weirdo and bring their own like chicken in a Ziploc bag. Like they want to be able to go out and enjoy dinner with their friends, but they want to when we do good and be durable. You know, you confront them like, with the choice. I mean, they're I think, like, okay, I think you're maybe right. they sometimes fantasize about being super shredded, but the vast majority of people want to feel good, be healthy, have some energy, eat some whole foods. Like, yeah, and, and, and I like need to thing. I need to choose better a different language. I think yeah. there's a different language because it, even those people that don't want to get shredded, there's still a culture of like, here I am, I'm going to try and do this, right. like just the shrinking concept. And the shrinking concept to like look better and feel better is they believe it's all connected. The shrinking concept that most people sort of uh, the protocol that they put to that is eat less. And kind of do less, like definitely don't lift weights because that makes, it's going to make me bulky. It's like, I got to eat less and I got to just run more. And that doesn't really get at the thing, which I think we all agree is like, no, no, let's resistance train. Let's stress our bodies in a sensible, but very productive way. And then let's fuel with like good food. And at the end of that, you're going to be so much happier that you actually have a metabolism intact because you have lean tissue. You haven't you haven't been dieting and starting starving. Yeah. yeah. And you can move really well or better than if you were just sort of like on the treadmill train. And I think the mental and emotional benefits that are going to come from that approach of like, I'm going to feed myself and move myself versus starve myself and limit myself. You can lose weight or change your body composition both ways. One's going to make you immensely happier. One of the things that I think is a hallmark of your training is that I don't see a lot of machines in your life. I think when a lot of people think about bodybuilding and they go into Globo gyms, they're seeing people with leather gloves and belts and sitting doing pec decks. That certainly has been proven under certain conditions to develop a lot of mass, right? We've seen people get very big, but less useful, less functional, less skilled. Is it a hallmark? Because I still see you doing a lot of things that look like squatting, and pressing and actual barbell movements, where do you think that message got lost? Because that's not our strength culture where we were all on machines. That was sort of a side effect or a side detour. All of our strength athletes, all of our performance athletes from 1900s on, strong men, strong women, they all lifted weights. And I think a hallmark of one of the things about your program is you're still advocating for a lot of classic weight training that looks like weight training, but just done in a different way. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. One of the missions that I think I've been on with functional bodybuilding is to sort of really evaluate and look at like, where are the barriers? Where are the walls that kind of divide these camps and kind of make people believe like, I'm either doing this or I'm doing that. And one of those things is like the machines versus the free weights. Like we do machines, we do free weights. That's also not really a good line to draw on the sand. Like, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be somebody because I definitely, through my CrossFit training and through my sports performance training, like this was very much a free weight compound lift culture where even doing an isolation movement with a free weight, like a dumbbell curl, or certainly getting onto a leg press or doing any of these things was sort of like, I'm going to slap your hand. Like, you don't do that here. We don't even talk about that. In do you, I used to make everyone do curls and uh, with Kelly the barbell. Kelly would always like end workouts with barbell and, and curls. And people were like, what are you are doing? Like, what and I was this? like, and he's like, elbow health. Right. He just repackages. It's yes. marketing. It's marketing. Totally. Today, as an example, like I trained at the gym with a couple of the coaches and I have a Smith machine in the gym now and it's an attachment to the rig and it's amazing. I have a pivot press from Atlanta Strength. We did leg press today. I have a seated calf machine. I've got a hip thrust machine. Can I do all these things with free weights? Can I replicate these movement patterns like in another way? Absolutely. But I was like, I, this is an intention. I want to put these pieces in our facility because I want people to see the same guy that's going to snatch off the blocks going to do a jerk, is going to do a pistol holding onto a dumbbell, is going to burpee over a box, and is going to leg press all in the same week. Like everything that I just mentioned was in training this week. And the idea of like machines are 
bad for all these reasons. Like, well, they're good for these reasons. They they might be misplaced in these settings. Just bringing more honest conversation to that. I appreciate that because one of the things that like Brian McKenzie and I used to kid around a lot was the assault bike. We're like, this is what we call high physiology, low skill. <laughs> and what you get with leg press and some of these things is exactly. we don't need to stabilize. Totally. We're going to get high physiology. We're going to get those tissues engorged with blood. And I hope that some of the blood flow restriction training that's come into the world a little bit is simplifying that for people. Like your brain doesn't necessarily need 100% skill all the time. Yeah. Your ligaments feel good when they get a pump. Totally. And how you decide to load that and how you want to spare your spine or have ranges of motion or safety and what tools are available to you, those are all good, valid questions. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to tell you a funny story about our kids related to machines. <laughs> oh, yes. So um, right before Christmas, we stopped by to say hi to Mark Bell at Super Training Gym. You know, and yes. he's got everything in there. I mean, yeah. I know you've been there. He's got all the machines and all the free, like it's everything. It's a playground of gym equipment. Yes. And it was really funny to watch our daughters go in the door because we were doing some stuff with Mark. And so they were just using the gym like a playground. And, you know, they've grown up in CrossFit gyms, so they don't care about like rings and ropes and free weights, whatever. They were like, whatever on that stuff. I mean, they spent like two hours <laughs> doing every single machine. It was yeah. like a field hip sled, day. Leg press, hip sled, like leg hip press. Hip sled, leg press. And then, you know, Mark has all these weird machines and, you know, like they had the best time. That's awesome. And it was just like such a good reminder for me that you're right. It's like, it doesn't need to, I think one thing that I see that's happening is really positive there's some of us that are doing it, but I think it's starting to be in a trend in the fitness business overall is this sort of rejection of like extreme thinking in any direction that it isn't always, you know, the answer is always it depends and that it doesn't have to be like, you can only do free weights and never a machine, like that you've been able to figure out this lovely way to include all those things in a really well-rounded training program. And I still see you front squat. So just so we're clear. No, yeah, I definitely still front squat. I still back squat. I still do these things. And I kind of define the ultimate expression of me like I'm hanging on to the my CrossFit days is that I still snatch and clean and jerk. If there was anything I just could check off my list, like that could be it. But I'm like, no, I'm committed to that, even though it's a high skill movement that maybe most people don't need to learn. It's something that I worked hard for years to learn. And I You're appreciate really good at it. Yeah. And I appreciate that I can get a good dose from that with low risk relative to what maybe most people can do. And and that's kind of it. It's like, we, we need people to get in the gym and and push themselves intensely. What's the environment and what's the training tool? What's the implement that's gonna allow them to do that most safely? And a leg press does that great for certain people. Now, with that said, like I really don't believe people should learn movement on machines. I think they should learn how to move and develop good motor control and learn how to squat, learn how to swing a bell. But like, I'm. 20 something years into this whole thing. And I'm like, it's easy you to know, take for granted that you're yeah, really good at it. Like I can go and back squat pretty heavy today, but it's going to fry a lot of things. And I'm going to have a lot of low back fatigue from that. And I could get on a leg press and get a similar dose and maybe even a more intense dose if I want intensity on a given day. One of our mutual friends, Sean Pastor of Active Life RX, had a great post recently. He said, How many PRs have you had in the gym in the last year? And how have those PRs made your life better? And I love that because I was like, well, have I had any PRs in the gym? And I, I haven't had any PRs in the gym. We haven't had any PRs in like 20 years, baby. <laughs> in the gym in at least a year. Get and, on a leg press. Yeah, <laughs> all right, PR. PR. Every one is a PR. Every two and a half is a PR. I'll just be like, you take these little gains. But what's interesting is that my physical self is never been more fun, more fit, more expression, riding my bike, paddling, skiing, doing all the things I want to do. And it has very little now with what my expression of peak performances in the gym. Have you had that similar experience? Are you still like, I'm chasing PRs, one rep max? Well, no, this is, I like this thought process. Sean, this, shout out. Yeah. I like the question because when I stopped competing in 2016, I mean, I was at the pinnacle of my own like performance fitness. Like I could snatch 285. I clean and jerk 355. I back squatted 455. I could deadlift 560. And I you're could, not? I'm not. No, I was five. I was 195 pounds and I could do all that with a, as big as an aerobic engine I could ever have built. I was like, this is it. And the moment that I stopped chasing that goal of being the best CrossFitter I could be, then the stimulus and the motivation or the drive 
to that was is required to maintain those types of numbers and to keep building upon that was gone. I don't believe I'm the type of person that could just be like, well, I'm not trying to compete in the CrossFit Games, but I'm going to still get that 600 pound deadlift. And I'm still going to keep all, you know, so it became this sort of slow decline for my peak strength numbers. And basically from 2017 or 2018 to now, I was okay with that. I kind of accepted. I'm like, well, look, I'm, I'm at a different, it's a different season of life. Those numbers, I'm never going to be able to hit those old numbers and that's okay. You and, think that's the same thing as not being able to fit into the jeans you own from college? Hmm. My jeans and keeping it real. Well, I have to tell you. So I follow like a CrossFit kind of program, and I work out with some other older ladies like myself. And we always laugh because sometimes the workout says like eighty-five percent of your one rep max, which is to us now a meaningless thing because the last time I tried to do any of the major lifts for a one rep max is probably ten years ago. Like I just don't care, you know, and especially not the complicated movements like a snatch. I think you PR'd when sixty minutes was at. At the yeah, gym. I PR'd my clean and jerk on 60 Minutes, and then that was the Gamer. end for me. Solid, um, and, and as you solid know, move. As you know, because you were there, I PR'd my muscle upping at the CrossFit Games, and then that also ended. But, you know, it's interesting because we don't care anymore about doing those one rep maxes. And so but then I still doing, deadlift every 10 days or so heavy. Then, so then yeah, doing 85% of it doesn't matter to us. The thing that I'm connecting to now is if I accept that I'm not going to ever PR based upon my peak at 31 years old or whatever, then does that set me up for accepting a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less forever? And does it change the way I approach training? And it it did for a number of years where I didn't actually ever progressively overload. I was not somebody who actually came to the gym and I don't care if, I, I believe this is really essential for a lot of people that want to train. It is for a segment of time, whether it's four weeks, six weeks, three months, to something that you're going to decide to do hard and then do it harder and then do it harder and do it harder within the limit of safety and within the limit of like, it doesn't ruin the rest of your life, but make it something that you actually- that's a really important part. Doesn't blow out the rest of your physical being, psycho-emotional self. Yeah, and you do want to see progress. Like that would, you'll see progress. There's something about progress, but there's also something about like, you have to demand a little bit more of yourself than you did the previous week. You know, it's like, I just deadlifted heavy today. It's like, well, it was heavy. This week, it was a little less heavy. Next week, it was a little, you know, I think there's tremendous value in this week. I'm not having the best week, but I committed to something and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And it's hard and it's physical and I have to do it. I'm going to do it a little bit harder than last time. And this is something that we pushed on people a lot in CrossFit to their detriment at times, because it was every day for five years, you got to beat the whiteboard from yesterday, right? (laughs) And I'm not talking about let's beat the whiteboard every day for five years in a row. I'm talking about pick your day, Tuesdays. Tuesdays, you're going to come in and you're going to leg press, whatever the movement is, but do five pounds more than last week. Do five pounds more than than last week. And I want people to understand what what I hear you saying is we need actually progressive overload. It'd be no difference if you're running and you're on the same three miles you would stop adapting to the same three miles. Your body would start going to what we call third wave adaptation, where you start to see efficiency and all of the gains that you got from running three miles besides activity stop. So you could do that by running a little faster. You could do that by doing some intervals. You could do that by running further. There's a lot of ways to change your intensity, not necessarily two and a half pounds. Because I'll put harder aerobic pieces between my lifting. Yeah. But you're saying though, is a big mistake people make is that actually don't challenge or progress in these little blocks. Because what you're describing is actually the exact way I train. I think you just nailed it. It's that there's this misunderstanding that maybe people can get themselves into, which is like, I have a movement practice. I move. And I'm moving this way and I do, I check the box and I'm doing it. That's great. My body doesn't change. Doesn't change. Or it's good now and I'm doing the movement practice, but it's getting worse every few years. Why is it getting worse? Because you call it third wave adaptation. I call it just like you're just getting older and right. <laughs> and you're not doing anything hard. Right? Different. Oh, I have old cat syndrome. That's different. <laughs> but then it's like, okay, pick one thing that you're going to call training. What's your, how are you going to check the training bucket? And have your movement bucket. Like, I want my mom doing the same three, four mile loop that she walks five days a week forever. But I also want her to push herself, train herself in this way a couple days a week. So you could add another set of kettlebell swings. That could be another set. It could be a heavier kettlebell. It could be less rest. Hear what what Marcus is saying here, because 
the bottom line though is I really like that you're saying for a chunk of time. And what do you think is a minimum chunk of time for people for a skill, something like that? I mean, I think I fall into the minimum chunk of time, which is like four weeks. And then I'm like, I'm tapped out. Like if I push it another week, that's when my lifestyle is going to start to like dip. I'm going to start taking midday naps, which I don't need to be doing from a heavy set of back squats. Let me give everyone an example of what you're talking about in a way that maybe people who don't lift weights could listen to. I'm training to go for this crazy AT backcountry ski trip. And one of the things that I've decided on is that I put the damper at 10 and the magnet at 10, and I do brutal standing one minute on intervals, one minute on, one minute off. And the first thing I did was come to a, seek, a, a decent wattage at 10 rounds, and then I went to 15 rounds, I went to 20 rounds. And then I started adding wattage on top of that. So now I'm not at 330 watts. I need to be at 360 watts every single one of those minutes. So that's kind of what you're saying is that- Yeah, exactly. And by the time this thing will be done, I will not get on and do a minute on, minute off brutal watt set for weeks afterwards because I'll be like, done, I want to do something else. So is, am, I, am I getting you right there? Yeah, I think it's just create a new target for yourself that you're going to push towards for four to eight to 12 weeks and then switch. And that's sort of what's been a guiding light for me with functional bodybuilding is like, at least for the training community, people that want to go into the gym that were maybe doing the program that had five different metrics that they followed. And it's like, well, if you just keep pushing those five things over and over and over again, you're going to eventually cap out at how much you can keep progressively overloading with that those three things. I mean, five things, like the example of the power lifter that's got to get their bench, squat, and deadlift better, that's a brutal sport because you're just constantly trying to build upon the same three things. Whereas in functional bodybuilding, it's like, I'm going to give you like 50 to 100 different targets and we're just going to keep moving around. And this month we're going to hit these three targets and next month we're going to do those three. And, you know, that way we can actually see progress. They can see consistency, repetition, put a little bit more effort in than last time. And then let's put that aside. And guess what? We don't need to touch that for a while so that you don't have to feel like, man, every, every week I got to get better at this bench, bench press thing. I think about, I was just thinking about this today and prep for this call. I heard Dan John we're, we're one time. We're not on a call. Good call, but good point. <laughs> I heard Dan John one time say, he's like, if you're not getting better at your bench press, like, what are you doing? And I remember being thinking like, I have to progress in my bench press forever. Like, which leads me to the question, do you think there are metrics where someone is strong enough like, is Juliet strong enough? Is there a place where I'm strong enough in my life? Like, am I better served? Do I need, I deadlifted 605. Do I need to deadlift 610 and 620 to make my life better? How do I wrap my head around that aspect as a person who's okay turning 50? No. <laughs> please say no. Turning 50 and wants to, like, you, you know, hey, I want to feel better mm -hmm. and not end up like a melted candle, looking like a melted candle. <laughs> More like a melted candle. Well, let me just be clear. Like I was this strong. Now I'm this strong. Like my intentionality around, you know, intensity and in training is not to try and bring that number back up to where it was before. It's to simply create that like stress adaptation cycle that's happening in these little windows of time. And I think that that's really important because I do believe that you are strong enough if you could do everything you need to do in your life. If you daily had to like lift a 650 pound object, I'd be like, no, you're not strong enough. That's you called gotta... carrying this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> carrying our whole family on my back. This, I'm really still stuck on this whole melted candle thing. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm struggling to move beyond that visual in my mind. Which it brings me, um, it brings me, I got to ask you. Because like after you said that, I didn't hear anything Marcus said. I blacked you out. are Black a blacks. business owner. You have a lot of people that work with you. Uh -huh. You have a partner. You have a couple children. You, one of the phenomenons that we see as parents who have a little bit older kids is that as people have children, it gets more and more difficult for them to find time for fitness and health. And it seems like a standard trajectory, and again, no shade on anyone, is that people in the kindergarten look a certain way. And by the time their kids get into high school, they look another way. Have you noticed that phenomenon? No, because his kid is only in kindergarten. He's just <laughs> he, at the front end of that. He will I, but notice I, it. I, either planting that seed or have you noticed that, that there is a aggregation and what is the limiting factor that we don't have time, we're not prioritizing feeling better, we can't lift in our garage because that's a revolution, right? Or, you know, it's it's wine and, you know, sneaking in, you know, too many extra bagels. Like, is it all of those things? Because we definitely see that parents are struggling to change your body composition and feel better. Yeah. 
back to the bodybuilding friend. For friend. Back to the bodybuilding conversation we had before. When bodybuilders prep for shows and their coaches give them this is the plan, this is what you do, it works. And if they follow it, it works. Works every time. Every time, right? Because it's the one of the most, and people will say this is one of the most selfish sports. You have to be all about yourself. You got to like protect your environment. You have to be focused on your food. Like you have to have a lot of space in your life to do something like that. And you enter into parenting and it's like, what is the thing that I, I long for sometimes is like just a couple days without like where I could just be selfish, like and not have all this <laughs> stuff to do, right? It's gone and it becomes, it evaporates even more and more through a, a certain phase of life. I think I'm, we're, we're in it for sure. And I know it's going to continue for a long time where I don't have as much time to think about myself, to prep my meals, to even have the emotional and physical bandwidth to be like, yeah, I really want to make this decision. I want to have this discipline. Like all of those resources are just drained from you. Time, emotional, mental, physical, energy, it's all being kind of pulled at. And those are the things that make the bodybuilding plan successful 100% of the time. You got all of those resources available to you. You're in your 20s, 30s. All of the stuff is taken care I of. I cut for your you. arm off and it grows back the next day. <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's not that, uh, it's that in order to have success in the body composition game, you have to have the space to bring so much awareness to it. Being a business owner, having kids, has that given you a different perspective and empathy working with the uh, people that you're working with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I look back at my 25-year-old self that was coaching in the CrossFit gym and hearing the moms and dads come in and be like, ah, oh, this and that. I'm like, dude, just freaking paleo it up, man. You yeah, got yeah, this. Yeah. Like, just, just spend your Sunday you, doing your meal prep. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, you don't you know, know until you know. You don't know until you know. But I also <laughs> believe that there's still a path to teaching anybody at any point that process of uh, building self-awareness around what the inputs and the outputs of your life have to look like in order for you to like maintain a healthy body weight that feels good to you. And I, I think that- You can't have it all. Yeah, you can't. And I think people are trying, but there's, there's a process of, you have to learn about this balance. You have to understand like, well, this is why it works over here. And these are the reasons why it might not work for you right now. And that's okay. So where can we find this middle ground where you are going to be a little selfish because it's going to give you back more mobility. It's going to give you back a better body composition. It's going to give you back more, more energy, energy. Yeah. all the things, right? It's going to give you that functional capacity that you lack right now. It's like, you're going to have to say no to this in order to get there. And once you have reclaimed that, then maybe you, you can say yes to all of it and still maintain it, right? That's kind of the process that's like re-educating or educating maybe for the first time. We've already basically used up all of our time, but I would love to just ask a couple more questions on the business side yeah. of functional bodybuilding. Yeah. And so you have like 15 employees and you're doing all this digital stuff. I know you still, I think, have a brick and mortar gym where some people come and then you're working with a bunch of partners. So like, did I encompass the universe of what you have going on? What are those things? What partnerships do you have? Tell us a little bit more about what's going on on the business side. Yeah, the business is all virtual and online. We still have a gym here in San Rafael that we used to have open to customers and clients, right, before the pandemic, but we shut that down. And then- um, Good job. Didn't work for us. <laughs> you guys know anything about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we may know a little something about that. But we still have the space and we still have a few local clients that still come in and use it. And it's a beautiful training facility. And I'd love to have you there anytime if you want to come and, you know- get on a couple of machines actually send your daughters if they really love to play on machines like hey we got a we got a great yeah send them simultaneously georgia who is applying to school downgraded a couple of schools because it was only machines and there was no f open racks and kettlebells and she's like the rowing machines are really far away from the kettlebells i don't understand <laughs> who's laying this out they need to can we consult with so there's them? a balance in there so the majority of our, or actually all of our business is delivered online through functionalbodybuilding.com. Uh, and the recent like partnership that we made was with our friends that uh, own RPM Fitness. So uh, Shane and Josh 
Rogers Love those started guys. a software company called Adam, which is like a training software. So really we deliver. Awesome. Yeah, it's been great. We're, I mean, they have their own um, GPP program that they offer through there, but uh, we're the first creator that they brought in to That's develop great. program and deliver it through their web-based app. And it's um, great. It is. It's a big shift for us. I mean, we're still in like the first month of transitioning thousands and thousands of customers from our old platform to this new platform. So there's always challenges to that. But the people ask like, well, what was, mo what, why'd you do this? Like, what was the motivation? It was like, and I said it earlier, it's like, we want to make the training for the end consumer as easy, as enjoyable, as exciting as we can possibly make it. Like, I want you to open up whatever it is that you, you know, look at functional bodybuilding through whatever app that is. I want it to like make you excited and be easy to start because when people, you, you probably said this too, it's like the hardest decision you're going to make with CrossFit is just showing up. Once you're here, we got you. Right. And I want that to be the case for somebody when they open up their app. It's like, I open up my app and I'm like, cool. I'm in it. Marcus, there's a video, Marcus, he's talking to me he's smiling. Oh man. Like got some cool music. Like everything reads really nicely. It's smooth. I can just, oh, there's my workout. These are the, this is how I get my equipment. Like it just happens. And we had a partner, our, our former software kind of uh, solution just didn't give us options. And Adam, Josh and Shane, they're building something that they really want to be a collaboration where they're like, you know, within the first month we've pushed out probably 10 new features of the app already to our customers, which is super exciting for us because we were with our former company for six years and we, we got zero, you know, new features, you know, <laughs> yeah. pushed out. Yeah, their, their platform yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, shout out because Lisa, Mags, and I are all doing the 10,000 jump challenge right now. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So Not to mention that they're really nice people totally. that are like that really matters like they're nice humans trying to do the right thing that's great their cool. their software platform is awesome that's amazing yeah. and i didn't i actually didn't know that they had figured out how to repurpose it for other people that's really smart yes that was i think their vision was always to have this uh collective of creators that complemented one another and you could come to their platform and get these different types of training programs they approached me almost two years ago when they first were building it in the pandemic and they're like hey would you be interested in this and i was like you know I don't know that that's the direction we're going right now, but we have had a good relationship and we kind of came back to it maybe six, seven, eight months ago. And yeah, it just, it literally like I January 2nd. I just got 2nd, queasy thinking just... about changing our tech, your tech stack. Oh yeah. Oh. <sighs> yeah. It's not even Seriously. mine. It's yours, Julia. Oh my God. I just make stretching videos. Um, well, congratulations. I mean, Thank you, you just yeah. launched that on January 2nd, right? Yeah. So it's not even been a month. That's a yeah. huge deal. That must and feel good. It does. It feels really good. And it's also, um, the thing that feels the best about it is like, I felt a little stuck and stagnant in what I could do creatively with our training. And now I'm like, oh, we have lots of possibilities and we could really potentially open up to different audiences. And there's just so much more possibility and potential at this stage. It gets me you know, excited for the next five years or the 10, next that 10 years. I would, I, normally we ask you like, what are you living for? What's exciting? But yeah, I but think you just like nailed it. That's, that's amazing. It. Okay. So we're going to have to invite you back, which is very easy since we're neighbors. Yeah. There were probably a hundred questions I wanted to ask you that we didn't have time for, but where can people find you on the socials and your company on the internet? We'll, of course, link to all those in the show notes. Yeah, I would direct people to our newsletter at functional-bodybuilding.com. That's kind of the real content. You know, all the, the social media is all real content, but that's the content that like I put energy into every single week and um, multiple times a week to just keep people educated in all aspects of what functional bodybuilding means, which as we've discussed today, covers a lot of it's stuff. Very vast. Yeah. And then that's it. Marcus Philly on all the other platforms. Check out YouTube. Long form is my game. I like that. The short form stuff just drives me You're a really bit good crazy. at it though. You're Thank really you. good oh, at it. Lisa, do you see that? Someone else is hurt by short form too. Thanks, uh, TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for being here in, in person. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it.